Hi there and welcome to Global Heart Church. Uh, I'm Jared Keane, the senior pastor, and wherever you are tuning in from around the world today, really, really hope and pray that in our planning of this message that it's going to really inspire you for the great journey that you are on and uh, for the great calling that you have in your own life. So enjoy the message and really pray that it's a blessing to you today. It's awesome to share with you tonight. And um, hey, I heard this um, cool quote. I read this cool quote, and it's by this Franciscan monk, right? And he says this. If you're in a situation you cannot control, you cannot fix, you cannot even understand, then you're one of the lucky ones, as it is only in this place that spirituality begins. Come on. I'm like, what he's saying is this. It often isn't until you get to the end of your road, to the end of yourself, to the end of your capacity, that you actually open up to God. I believe there's exceptions to that. There's exceptions to that. There might be people you've grown up in a Christian family and your kind of experience of God was like an educational variety. It grew over time. But for many of us, the, the conflict of the challenge of not being able to actually manage life on its own terms is the thing that brings us to Jesus. And that is 100% my story. 100%. The reality is that if it wasn't for God and the reality of God, there's no way I would be standing here today. There's just no way. I would definitely be dead. Definitely. And that's not, a, that's not an overstatement, it's an exaggeration. I would be dead. I, you know, I now, in this church, I get the privilege of being, you know, ministering in this church and serving and loving and helping others. I've got a wife, you know, two, two daughters. You know, I've got this great life. But the reality is that outside of God, you know, at 25, I was at the end of the road. I was done. You know, I was ready to check out of life. You know, I was this hopeless heroin and crack cocaine addict. I'd kind of made so many mistakes, and, and I was really at the end of the road. And what looked like the end, but was really the beginning, you know, what looked like the end, but was really the beginning, was when I came to this place that he's talking about, where I came to the end of myself. But it was in that place that I found a true and real spirituality. I'm not talking about, you know, a faith in something. So I'm not talking about, I have faith in God. I'm, no, it's more than that. I'm not talking about having a relationship with God. Like that's, that's better than saying I have faith, you know, I have relationship. But it's not that. It's that God came into me, infused me, changed me, became one with me. You know, it wasn't like I was like this with God. It was more like this. The, the, the Bible talks about a unity with God, this connection with God. What do I mean by that? I mean that as I began to walk through my life, God was now walking with me through it. That as I came to situations in my life, I sensed God guiding me and empowering me. You know, temptations that I could never say no to by His grace, one day at a time, one choice at a time, I began to say no to them. And bit by bit, this person who was suicidal and who's this heroin addict, whose life was so broken and so enslaved in many ways, not just in, in addiction to drugs, but in addiction to pornography and sex and many other things, God began to slowly but surely heal me and transform me and change me. And so I'm not a person that says to you, I was doing okay without God. I'm someone who says, I can't live without God. I would be not here without God. There's no way I'd have a family. At best, I'd have been in jail, but most likely, or institutionalized, but most likely, I'd be dead. And so I want to talk to you from that place. But I'm conscious that as I speak from that, not everyone has that experience. But what you will experience in your life is similar to what I'm talking about, is cycles that you cannot break. 
cycles or patterns in your life that you cannot break. Now, it could be a drug addiction, or it could be you know, addiction, a porn addiction, or it could be something as simple as you're enslaved by your phone because it's the first thing you look at in the morning. It's the last thing you look up at night, and you live to the chime of notifications. <laughs> it's going quiet in this place. <laughs> drug addiction we can talk about. You know, all these other things, but don't talk about the phone. Or maybe, maybe the cycle that you need to break is you just keep on replaying old hurts that came in your life. They just keep on replaying. You keep on going back to them. You seem incapable of stepping out of it. You always go back to it. I want to talk about breaking the cycle. Breaking the cycle. I want to talk about how God can empower you and me to keep on breaking the cycle in areas of our lives. And the challenging thing with this is that what happens is even if you know God, right? So you, you, you know God, you're walking with God, you still have these areas in your life. And what happens over time is you begin to think, I think I've just got to live with this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just don't think I can get over this. You know, I remember me at the, when I just came to faith in Jesus and I was this kind of heroin addict, I came to the conclusion, I can, I'm never going to beat this. I mean, this thing is more powerful than me. I'm, I just, I'm not going to be able to get free from this. You know, and there can be other things in our lives like that, where we feel like, man, I just don't think I'm maybe ever going to be free. Maybe I've got to kind of settle for this and compromise with this. And we go for this binge purge cycle. They've got like this graphic I want to bring up, where you kind of, you do the behavior, you kind of feel bad about it. You then say, no more, that's it, I'm done. And you have a season where you don't go near it. Might be a day, might be a week, might be a month, might be six months. But you again find yourself, I'm back into this again. You know, so you go for the same person. You binge, then you purge, that's it, never again. I'm done this time. I've had enough, but you can never get out of it. I want to encourage you that these kinds of cycles cannot be broken from willpower. They cannot be broken. The harder you try, the more enslaved you are. This is not something that you can beat on your own, because here's why. If you could, you would have by now. You would have by now. And so I want to unpack for you Four keys that are in the Word of God that show us how we can tackle any system like that is in our, that's in our lives, no matter how great, whether it's an, you know, an enslavement to, to methamphetamine or whether it's you know, you know, something much more you know, mild than that. All of these patterns can be broken with these processes, and so I want to unpack them. Are you ready to hear them? Awesome. Awesome. Come on. So the first key I want to talk to you about is that healing starts with honesty. Healing starts with honesty. You can't get healed when you won't admit there's something wrong. And the human mind has an amazing capacity to deny the truth, to justify a behavior. It's, it's scary how your own mind can do this. And it says this in 2 Corinthians 3, 12 to 13. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. And reading on from verse 17, it says this, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory and are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
what's it talking about? It's saying this. It's saying that Moses is this great figure in the Old Testament. And he went up onto the mountain and he received the Ten Commandments. He's like the Ten Rules or the Ten Laws that God gave to people, right? So he comes down with these Ten Commandments and his face is like radiating because he's been in the presence of God. So he literally is glowing. This guy's like a mini supernova, mini sun, you know, like a star. Like it's so bright that people couldn't gaze upon him. And what this passage is talking about is he put a veil over his face. But the reason he put a veil wasn't because the glory was too bright for people to look at. But the reason he put the veil over it was because actually he didn't want people to know the glory was fading. That actually when he was in the presence of God, he had this glory. But as he stepped out of that, it began to fade. But he didn't want people to see his real condition and his real circumstance. And that is a picture of humanity. That is definitely can be a picture of the church. That actually what we do is we want to present or put out something different to other than better than we really are. So what we project is a projection of ourselves, what we want you to think, but not who we really are, is never going to be healing in that place. There cannot be healing in that place. Healing comes from beginning to bring out to someone the broken areas of our lives. Beginning to bring out, you know, to admit, first of all, to ourselves, be honest with ourselves, first of all, that can be the hardest one, right? Be honest to God, and then be honest to someone else. This is how we get free, that we're supposed to have unveiled face. And what it's saying is that in the Old Testament, there was a lot of that, pretending, acting, performing. But what it's saying is, but we in the new covenant, what does that mean? Those who are under Jesus, right? We're not under that old covenant, that we should have unveiled face, that we should be seen going from glory to glory. That actually, it's only as you show me the true you that I can appreciate how God's changing you in your life. If you show me a performance and an act, I just keep seeing that. I don't see any change in your life. But if you show me who you really are, I then get to observe, wow, this person is going from glory to glory, change to change, day by day. God's improving them and changing them and healing them. Come on, and perfecting them. So you and I need to, to do that, you know. And uh, you know, I remember... Um, years ago, Leo and I were buying our first house, you know, here when we moved to, to Perth. We were buying our first house and um, we looked around lots of houses. And uh, we found this one house. We went in there and the house looked great. You know, the outside looked nice. The garden was pretty good. We went inside. The guy was there, the real estate agent. He's like, he's got a new kitchen, brand new kitchen. I'm like, wow, that's, that's awesome. We're looking around. Bathrooms were good. Bedrooms were good. I'm thinking, yeah, this, is, this could be the house for us. And I just said to him, hey, can I look in the garage? And he's like, oh, sure. A bit hesitant, you know. So I thought, I definitely want to look in the garage. So I look in the garage and there's this massive boulder. Like, I mean, like this thing was taking up half to three quarters of the garage. Like a ginormous, humongous boulder. You could never put a car in that garage. You'd be lucky to put a push bike in there. Like this thing literally filled the garage, right? And I came out. I'm just got my open mouth. I came to the guy, he's, the real estate agent, standing in the kitchen. I said, mate, there's a boulder in the garage. And he goes to me, yeah, but look at the kitchen. I said, look, what the kitchen? I said, there's a boulder, literally, like, you couldn't get, I don't know, I'd better fit three tools in that place. Like, it's nearly all boulder and hardly any garage. And he's like, yeah, but it's got a great kitchen. <laughs> That's like some of us in church. We've got a boulder in the garage, but what we're saying is, look at the kitchen. The kitchen's good. <laughs> Seriously. Seriously. You know, you've got this massive boulder. It's hidden. It's concealed. No one can see it, but it's there. 
God knows, you know, God wants to heal you that. He wants to set you free of that. He wants to encourage you to begin to bring that thing out into the light with unveiled face that God might begin to heal you. So key one is healing starts with honesty. The second thing about healing is they used to say this, the opposite of addiction is abstinence. They used to say that the opposite of the behavior that you keep doing that you don't want to do anymore is abstinence. But now they say the opposite of addiction is connection. Here's what they're saying. They're saying the reason that you're doing the addiction is because you have some pain that you're medicating by doing it. Or you're having some pain or thinking that you want to avoid by doing it. You know, certainly if someone has trauma in their life, they're going to be drawn to an addictive process very often to medicate that trauma. So for me, I can look at my life and my, you know, my parents broke up when I was young. It was hostile. You know, I, I, I had a baby at 16 that died, right? And, and basically, I had a whole bunch of other traumatic things happen to me. So when I look at my life, it's no surprise to me with what I know now that I've had a problem with addiction, you know what I'm saying? So, so trauma leads someone into addiction. And so the opposite isn't abstinence from the behavior, but to get the connection that heals the wound. You know what I'm saying? The connection that heals the wound, the bigger driver, the underlying thing, it's getting into that. And God speaks to this beautifully. Jesus speaks to this amazingly when he talks to a woman at the well in John 4. I'm not going to read the whole passage, it's a long passage, I'm going to summarize it for you, but here's what happens. Jesus goes to a well and he meets a woman, and she's a Samaritan, which really means she was a race that was looked down upon by the Jews. Not just is she a race that's looked down upon by the Jews, but she's a woman. It was not normal or appropriate for him to be engaging with her, but he comes up to her at the well and he basically says to her, hey, could you draw me some water from the well? And she says, why do you ask me? I'm a Samaritan, I'm a woman, you know, why are you asking me? And he says, hey, if you asked me, I would give you living water so that you would never need to come to the well again. She's like, what do you mean living water? Like speak, you know, English, not speak English, speak Hebrew, <laughs> right? You know, speak Hebrew to me, you know, or speak Greek to me. What are you talking about? You know, and he says to her, hey, you've had five husbands and the man you're now with is not your husband. She says, whoa, this guy must be a prophet. And he repeats to her, if you ask, I will give you water that you may never thirst again. What's he talking about? He's saying this, that he never says to her, you bad woman. Oh, you're so bad. Oh my gosh, you're committing adultery, you're shocking. What are you doing? Stop it. Just stop it. Never says that. Here's what he says. I can give you what you're really looking for. I can heal the pain that's driving you to the addiction. I can heal that thing. I can do it right now if you're open to it. It's interesting. You never know what happens Reading that story, it says she goes away, she tells some people they follow after Jesus, but you don't, there's no outcome to that story. You don't know what the outcome is. You mean, I want to know the outcome. I want to know, man, did she, did she respond to that, you know? And tonight, you're here, and there's an opportunity, just like that woman, where Jesus is saying to you, hey, tonight I'm here. Hey, tonight I can come into your life and into your circumstance, into your situation, and I can bring transformation and healing at such a deep level that actually it will fulfill the need that often is the driver of addiction. Come on. Like how, it's, this is amazing, isn't it? And I'm so grateful for me 
this encounter first began to happen when I was in a mental hospital. So I'm in a mental hospital, I'm at the end of the road, I'm doing another detox, you know, from, from heroin, and I'm really suicidal, I'm planning my suicide. This isn't just I'm thinking about it, I'm planning it. And I'm in there and someone comes in and they share to me a message from the Bible, and just like that woman, as they spoke, I know, oh, something is happening here. This, this, is, a, this is like a spiritual moment, like a divine, I wouldn't have had the language then, you know what I mean? But I knew something was happening and I felt drawn. I thought, man, I, th- I think this is talking about me. You know, it's like I was resonating with it. And there's people here tonight, you're resonating with what's being said. It's speaking to you. What's being said, friend, that's God drawing you, drawing you. But just like the woman at the well, you get a decision. You either say, yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a step of faith, man, and jump in with Jesus. Or we go, oh, I'll think about it a bit more, you know? We have this decision to make, this moment where we make a decision, hey, are we going to receive what God wants us to have? Are we going to allow him to answer the deepest question in us, fulfill the deepest need in us, heal the deepest wounds in us? Come on. This could be a Sunday message. I'm hoping I can pull it off on a Friday. Work with me, people. (laughs) Come on. Is this good? Is this helping somebody? Come on. I know you're being quiet because you're really listening. (laughs) everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will be coming them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Jesus is not talking about a religion. He's not even talking about to say, well, I believe in God. No, he's not talking about that. He's not even talking about what a lot of people talk about. Hey, we, we don't believe in religion, but we believe in relationship. No, he's not even talking about that. He's talking about something way deeper than that. He's saying that he's going to come into us, that he's going to create us wellspring within us. What's that? That's God living in us. That's going to well up and bubble out of us. Like we're going to be not, not just, I know God, I'm walking with God. No, God's in me, dwelling in me, guiding me, speaking to me. I've been changed by him in dwelling me it's it's like it's like it's not like water being poured on something you know what it's like it's like getting a sponge and putting that in water you know squeezing that sponge and it fills with water and put it and it's overflowing with what it's now containing the water it's talking about that kind of relationship it's not this it's this it's saying that you are now one connected with God this is a spiritual deal a spiritual experience a spiritual transformation it's not just education it's not just someone told you something it's way beyond that it's the creator of the heavens and the earth and the one who created people and loves you and purposed you it's going to come into your life and transform you come on from the inside out and here's the thing I need this as much today as I did that day in the mental hospital I need it as much today. Come on. The minute you squeeze that sponge out, (laughs) I'm back to where I started. Seriously, outside of God, I have absolutely nothing. Nothing. Inside God, everything's possible. Outside of God, nothing. Literally nothing. I could go back there without God tomorrow, you know. Or maybe it would take a couple of weeks. You hear what I'm saying? You know what I mean? I would begin to go back to that world. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 1 to 3, it puts it like this. Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk, not wine if you're in recovery, but come buy, you know, I don't know, Red Bull and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me and eat what is good in your soul. Listen, your soul will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. 
I will make an everlasting covenant with you, my faithful love promised to David. Come on, come on. It's saying this, man, you've got to, you've got to eat of this. You've got to drink of this. You've got to receive of this. You've got to take into you what God's got for you. And at the end of tonight, it's giving me an opportunity to pray a prayer to start that awesome relationship. But it isn't just praying a prayer. That's like the first step. That's an awesome step, a huge step. When I first got on my knees, prayed a prayer, gave my life to Jesus. It was a life-defining moment. But I needed to continually keep on drinking of God, kept on needing to receive of God, you know. And I thought, what are some of the things I have to do? Like, I have to keep on coming to God. This, I, can't, I could never live on church once a week. Not possible. Not possible. I couldn't come to church once a week and live. Maybe when I was a very first few weeks of a believer, there's like this massive grace that's on you, do you know what I mean? And maybe I could scrape by with one service a week, but not for long. I need to keep on daily going to God, coming and getting something from God because I want to be filled with God. I don't just want to get a little touch and just enough and I believe, no, 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 God's in me, working through me. I can sense Him. He's speaking to me, saying what to say, what not to say, how to act, how not to act. And I'm empowered by Him. You know, I read something from the Bible most mornings. I pray most mornings. You know, I've got um, the Joyce Meyer Devotions app. I use that nearly every day. I've got a one-minute pause meditation. This is a really cool tool. One-minute pause. You can download it on your device. It's by John Eldridge. It's awesome. You play it, it just lasts a minute, and it's just, it just starts to speak to you about the awesomeness of God. You just meditate, you breathe, you listen to it. It stills you. You connect to God. It's awesome. I use that every day at the moment. You know, I read or listen to Christian books on Audible. You know, I, I, I'm doing a course at the moment on the Soul Refiner website. This really cool course that someone told me about that, that I'm doing. You know, I listen to worship music at home. You know, I repeat a prayer throughout my day. I've got this prayer that I just keep repeating. Every time there's a trial or something difficult comes, I've got this prayer I pray and it says, God loves me. God is for me. God is with me. I can do everything I need to do today. Come on. God loves me. God is for me. God is with me. I can do everything I need to do today. Why do I do all these things? I have to do them. I have to do them. Have I always done them in my Christian world? No. When I do them, is it better? Oh, yeah. When I do them, does it get worse? You bet. Seriously, like I leak Jesus. This is the thing. I put Jesus in. It leaks out of me, you know. I've got to keep on, come on, coming to him. I've got to keep on coming to him. You know, I attend church Friday and Sunday. I attend church Friday and Sunday before I work for the church because I need to keep on coming. I need to be around this. I need to be around you. I, I can't do this. I can't have just a little sip Jesus once a week, you know. Live, no, I've got to give me the bucket, people, you know. I'm an addictive personality. Give me the whole thing. It's one good thing to get addicted to, and that's Jesus. Come on. Come on. Key two is you need connection with God. You need connection with God. And key three is this, radical amputation. Radical amputation. Therefore, it says in chapter 12, verse 1 in Hebrews, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Hey, is there any way we can um, get the time on this screen? Because I'm worried I could preach a long time without it. It seems like there's something wrong with it. If it's possible to fix it, it would be cool. So in this passage, the Christian life is described as a race. And we're told in order to run faster, we've got to run lighter. It's saying this, you've got to release from you anything that's hindering you, anything that's pulling you back. You know, it would be like this. I'm going into a race 
and I'm carrying a backpack of bricks. And the scripture's saying, take the backpack off. Take the backpack off. It's saying that you and I need to remove anything that hinders. So for me, when I first you know, became a Christian, I was getting off of heroin. This is what I needed to get rid of to be unhindered. Any phone numbers of dealers I needed to get out of my phone. I destroyed all drug implements. Even music that I used to listen to that would trigger my drug use, I would not listen to. I got rid of everything that tempted me. I moved away from my used area in London. I moved to rehab in the country for a period of time. You know, I radically cut off anything that tempted me. For a season, I didn't use public toilets. I could not use a toilet in Maccas or anywhere like that because the minute I'd shot up so much drugs in toilets that the minute I went into a public toilet, I'd begin to get triggered. I could feel my blood would start to rush, my head would start to pound, my heart would start to beat, you know, and I'd be like, oh, oh, and I would feel like I did when I was going to use. So I wouldn't use public toilets for a while. And that sounds extreme, hey? That was completely reasonable when you come from where I come from. I needed to get rid of everything that hindered. You know, and I had to do exactly the same thing because I had a, had a challenge with sex and pornography. So I needed to, on my iPhone and my iPad, I don't have a browser on there. I don't have the ability to download apps on there. I have the thing locked down. I have the thing locked down. On my computer, I have a monitor. On my computer, I'm, I'm really careful with all these things because I know, man, it only takes a minute and I'm going back. It only takes a minute, a moment of weakness. Now, here's the deal. You can be strong a lot of the time. A lot of the time you can be strong. But what can happen is a moment of weakness can just come and you're not prepared. So if you haven't put in boundaries, if you haven't really got rid of everything that ensnares and tangles, in the moment of weakness you fall and you keep thinking, man, why has it happened again? The reason it happened again is because you've not been radical enough. Now I know there's some people here, you're thinking this sounds too extreme. This sounds a bit full on. Pastor Jared, he's with me, but there's a few other people here, I'm feeling you're not with me, you think it's too full on. So let's listen to what Jesus says about it. Here's what Jesus says in Matthew 5, 29 to 30. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to throw thrown into hell. Here's the good news. Oh, come on. Here's the good news. He doesn't literally mean it because there'd be a lot of people here with no eyes and no hands. It's not meaning literally. But here's what he's using. Violent, aggressive language to tell you've got to amputate. You've got to cut off, man, the source of your temptation because you don't have the capacity to deal with it. The best you use is to hack it off and throw it away. Come on, this is radical, aggressive language. That's the kind of language that you and I need to take, the kind of steps that you and I need to take if we're going to really be free, if we're going to really be free. Jesus' method of dealing with addiction is radical amputation. So I want to encourage you, we need to do that as key three. And the final key is this, key four. You need the right friends. You need the right friends. If you've had something, a repetitive cycle for a while, you're going to have already prayed about it. Yeah, you're going to have already done a bunch of things within your own power to try to overcome. But probably what you haven't done is bring it out to someone else. Begin to bring it out to someone else. You know, a safe person, the right person, but begin to bring it out. You know, I remember when you, know, you need a f- crew, you need a family, a group, a tribe, a gang. You know, you need some people who are going to walk with you, right? 
through your season, through your journey, through your healing, through your recovery, through your Christian walk, you're going to need a group or a crew or people. It's why we have church. For one, we need the corporate. We need to gather with a whole bunch of other people. I know you're going to be here Friday night. I know you're going to be here Sunday. I'm going to be able to come in. I'm going to be able to gather with you and your faith's going to lift me. And if I'm flat, you're going to lift me up. And when you're flat, I'm going to lift you up. And there's a power just in corporately gathering. I've experienced that as I've come to the church. But also, I needed, when I came to church, I went to Starting Point. We run this course called Starting Point. So people who are new to faith or new to church. And I did Starting Point in my church in the UK when I first became a Christian. I got plugged in there. Man, it was so good. I meet with a bunch of people each week. We talk through some basics of the Christian faith. It began to change me and shape me, began to hold me to accountable to this new life, you know. And then I, then I, I got a mentor. Remember the pastor in the church, I've given you, got you this mentor. He's going to help you. I thought, awesome. And I was at a rehab at the time and attending church. And uh, he said to me, I'm going to pick you up. Uh, from the rehab and bring you to church. And that's what he did. And then he dropped me home after church. And he said, hey, why don't we pray together? I said, sure, let's pray. And he prayed for me outside the rehab. And I said, hey, man, what do you do for a job? He said, I'm a policeman. (laughs) Isn't it amazing, the kingdom of God? I would have been terrified of him (laughs) a couple of weeks before. But now we're in the family. Come on, we're in the same family. Come on, we're blood now. We've got connection now. We've got relationship now. This is beyond, this is huge. He became a mentor in my life. You know, I had a friend. We nailed, nailed down and prayed the prayer to get together. A prayer that I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray in just a minute. Me and my friend Gary in the UK, we laid down, we kneeled down together and we prayed this prayer. And we've both been clean ever since that day, right? And we've both walked together. Come on ever since that day. And man, we've continued to have struggles. Man, we've continued to have issues, ongoing, you know, troubles in our life, guaranteed. But we've walked together. We've walked together. You know, and I, I speak to him now regularly still. I mean, there's not many people you can say, 21 years, we still speak. Because when you go through this together, you stay together. Seriously, you stay together. You know, there was, I remember the guy, one of the first connect, my first connect group leader I ever had, he was the best man at my wedding. Come on, he was Jos- he's Josiah's dad. For those of you who know Josiah, like what? Like seriously, God wants to bring you in to a family. He's going to put you with people who are going to walk with you and encourage you and help you. James 5.16 says this, Therefore, confess your, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. So important, man. You can, you can talk to God and you'll be forgiven. But sometimes you've got to talk to people to get free. You know what I'm saying? You've got to talk to God, you can be forgiven, but you've got to talk and journey with people to get free. Huh. Hmm. You need the right friends. Come on, you need the right friends. This is what you need to be free, just as I summarise. You need, healing starts with honesty, key one. Key two is you need connection with God relationship with God. Three, you need radical amputation to remove from your life that which is holding you back. And four, you need the right friends. Thank you so much for joining us online today. Really great to have you with us and special thanks to those also who give online. Your generosity is making the way for others to hear the message of Jesus both here in Australia and around the world. If you enjoyed today's message, I'd love to encourage you to share this message with a friend a workmate, a family member, and let's believe together that it will powerfully impact their life for good in Jesus' name. 
If you're unable to be with us at one of our church locations, uh, both here in Australia and around the world, please join us online every Sunday for Global Heart at Home on YouTube. God bless and have a great week.